0: We'd like to take a second before this episode to thank our sponsor for this episode, Iowa Sports Supply. Iowa Sports Supply is locally owned and operated. and has been providing quality sporting goods, uniforms, and corporate apparel for high schools, colleges, corporations, and Iowa communities for over 60 years. With your next team or corporate need, please visit iowasports.com. The Shooter's Touch and Iowa Sports Supply would like to remind you to support local businesses and shop local this holiday season. This week on the podcast, we bring on head men's basketball coach at Coe College, Brian Martin. Immediately when you start talking to Coach Martin, you can tell he's a basketball junkie. He understands thoroughly the X and O's portion of the game, But it was most fun talking to him about the relationships formed during his coaching years with the players and fellow coaches. He comes to Coe after spending four years as an associate head coach at the University of North Dakota and actually brought that school and that team from D2 to D1. Very interesting talking to him about how him and the other coaches actually motivated their players to play that year and those following years because of the fact that there was no postseason, there was no conference affiliation, and stuff like that. We had a great talk with Coach Martin. He's been in the basketball community here in Iowa for a while at Indian Hills, at Simpson College, spent some time at University of South Dakota and North Iowa Area Community College as well. So he is the prototypical Shooter's Touch guest. We hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. Here is Coach Brian Martin.
1: I got the shooters, touch. Can't nobody shoot like me. Fourth quarter down three, need a two, and one. Better call on me, better call on me. If you know you need a shooter, I'm ice cold like a cooler. Get you right though, walking tula. This that might flow. I'm a hooper. I got blue faces, oh blue
2: faces. I'm-
0: Welcome back, Shooters. We have another great guest on the podcast this week. We talked to head men's basketball coach at Coe College, Brian Martin. Coach, welcome to the Shooters Touch.
2: Thanks, guys. Definitely honored to be on the show.
1: Yeah, we're excited. Uh, excited to have you. First off, um, obviously a little bit of crazy times we're living in. How uh, how's the family doing? Is if I understand, three boys at home. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. Thanks for asking. Uh, we're doing good. You know, as, as good as we can do and. Uh, everybody's healthy and safe so uh, no complaints there and just been unique you know as is for everybody I we've got twin boys that are uh, going through their senior year in high school at Linmar High School and hopefully getting ready uh, for a basketball season if everything uh, holds true but um, so that's been interesting you know just just dealing with all those challenges and the hybrid school for them and um, you know definitely not a normal senior year but but at the same time, thankful they're they're at least in school every other day and, and uh, you know having some normalcy. And then we also have a uh, a sixth grade boy as well. So um, yeah, just just making the most of it and, and uh, things are going good.
1: Well, good. So, a couple of things that I want to point out or clarify. Obviously, we have the first, uh, the same first name and spelled. There's not a lot of B R Ys out there, so it's we're, spelled
2: the right way, right? right. I mean, yeah, there's only so, a few of us.
1: There's, I was gonna say, I very few that I have run across that have, have been spelled the same way. So that's special. And then um, I actually have a Kellen. My youngest is a Kellen, spelled okay. the same way too, with E L L E N. So when I saw that, I was like, Hey, we got we got a lot in common. We just met, so. You got great taste, Brian. Hey, you got to give it to you. So, <laughs> so uh, one more thing before we jump in—you feeling any pressure being the second co-coach that we've had on the podcast here? You got a lot okay. to live up to there.
2: Yeah, I mean, big shoes to follow. Um, Kayla's Kayla's awesome. We we our offices are right next to each other. We we talk a lot, you know, about obviously about basketball and and everything. But uh, yeah, fortunate that uh, you know. To have her at co and she, I think she's one of the, you know, she's an up and comer. She's one of the best young coaches, um, I think, in the country and, and uh, definitely blessed to have her at co and, and uh, yeah, I know she, she did one of the first podcasts a few months ago. And um, so, yeah. you know, we're uh, we're both kind of fighting the same challenges with, with COVID and with our teams and, and bouncing ideas off each other every day. So it's nice to, it's nice to have a trusted friend and, and colleague like her that we can, you know, share those thoughts and ideas and, and try to make the best decisions for our programs. But, no, she's awesome.
1: Yeah, she's a good one. We, we enjoyed our conversation with her and uh, obviously excited to, to have you along with the journey here. And so with that, then um, fill us in a little bit about uh, what childhood was like. Where'd you grow up? Sibling situation and then ultimately uh, getting into your sporting career uh, as, a, as a young child. What was that like?
2: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Des Moines, uh, born and raised there. Um, it was, it was just me and, and my mom and my sister who was just a year younger, uh, growing up and, and then also, you know, had a lot of family in town. Um, uh, spent a lot of time at our at my grandparents' house, um, uh, in the Beaverdale neighborhood. And, you know, my mom, my sister, and I, uh, pretty much grew up in the Beaver, Beaverdale neighborhood, but, uh, lived in a few different places. Um, so it was, was kind of like half the time at, at our main house and half the time at, at, uh, grandma, grandpa's house growing up, but, um, had a great childhood. I mean, uh, you know, I ended up going to Hoover high school and so kind of grew up in, in, uh, in that, uh, the Hoover community. But, um, you know, my grandmother actually, uh, worked part time at, at Hoover high school all, all, all through my childhood and, and, you know, as far as sports, I mean, I can't – as far back as I can remember, even, even being alive, sports was, you know, uh, important for me and, and something I loved. And um, with her working at Hoover, it, we always got, like, free passes to the, to the varsity games. And she – her and her friends would always go and just kind of drag me along on, on Friday nights or Tuesday nights, whatever the case, whether it was football, basketball, baseball in the summers. And so I kind of, kind of grew up with, in, in the Hoover community – uh, from a very young age. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the better athletes, you know, in those in my younger days were, were just heroes to me, you know, growing up. And um, so, so that was a lot of fun. And, and then, uh, you know, as far as uh, neighborhood, you know, it was like the, the Beaverdale neighborhood where my grandparents lived, where we spent a lot of time, we'd go there after school, things like that. There were a, there were a lot of kids in the neighborhood a lot of but they were all younger they were younger boys and um so I was kind of the the ringleader you know when it came to um organizing you know pick up basketball or football games in, in the front yard or backyard and um you know so even back to a young age that I can remember um just kind of organizing a, a team or or you know a, a game was always kind of something I liked to do and um you know, then I, most of the houses we lived in with with my mom, it, there wasn't a lot of kids for whatever reason in the neighborhood. So, you know, that's probably one thing that, that drew me to basketball a lot was, you know, all, all I needed was a hoop and a ball. You know, had a hoop in the driveway and, of course, had some kind of Nerf hoop or something in the house or in the basement that you could, could play on when it was too cold to go outside. So I always loved that with basketball that you could always, you know, still shoot and and uh you know work on your game and have fun with the game even if you didn't have a group of friends or or neighborhood kids to to compete with so um but yeah it was it was good childhood um like I said went ended up going to Hoover High School and um you had a great experience there
1: so mostly baseball or sorry mostly basketball or did you play any other sports growing up I played everything played everything
2: um yeah you know I whatever whatever season it was that was my favorite sport um if I had to pick, I'd say basketball was always maybe a little bit ahead of everything else, but played baseball, uh, basketball, uh, football, starting in middle school, you know, um, you know, but just recreationally played everything, tennis, golf, you know, whatever I could, whatever I could find or whatever was on TV, I want to go outside and play it. So, um, you know, even in high school, I played five sports. So it was uh, just, just loved, just love sports in general. And, you know, really loved basketball, really loved baseball. Those probably be my top two um, growing up that I, that I enjoyed the most. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, it, was, it's, it was different back then, I think. And, and Hoover was a big school, 4A school, but it wasn't, it wasn't a big 4A school. So still there was a lot of us that played multiple sports, um, you know, growing up and even at the varsity level. Um, So a little bit different than it is today, like even for my kids at at Linmar, there's not a lot of that, um, you know, at at the big school level. But, um, yeah, just, just loved a lot of sports growing up.
1: So then put together a, a pretty good career at Hoover um, playing five sports like you said that's a, that's a uh, quite a feat in itself um, being able to manage your time and, and be successful at all, at all those sports um, at a school like Hoover. but then you essentially went on and, and played a little in college too, correct? Yeah,
2: so um, got recruited you know by pretty much all the d3 schools in the state and, and some in the region and um, you know had had some interests off and on you know throughout my senior year from from some d2s and NAI type schools and um, ended up uh, going to morningside college out of high school which back then was division two you know Uh, so this I graduated in 94 from hoover so um, you know you guys are are too young probably to remember but back in that day the the north central conference for division two basketball was was pretty big time basketball I mean it it you know, a lot of those schools now are division one schools. When you look at, you know, the North and South Dakota schools, Nebraska, Omaha, uh, Northern Colorado was in that. So a lot of those schools are D1 now, but back then we're, were high level division two schools and, um, you know, went went there on a partial scholarship out of high school and um, had a great experience there. I was only there two years. My first year um, decided to redshirt. Mainly because we had a um, a very veteran team my freshman year, um, some really good players that were you know great Iowa high school players too. Brad Barron from Cedar Falls was, you know, to me he's still the best post player I've ever seen at any level, and you know he ends up Morningside College. Um, Jason Kleiss from Orange City, Troy Larson, who's the head coach at Iowa Lakes. Those guys were all juniors and seniors. Um, so I, I knew I needed to redshirt anyway. I needed to get stronger, and, and uh, you know, there wasn't going to be a lot of playing time to, to have anyway that year. So I did that my first year, and we had a – the year I redshirted, we had an unbelievable season. We, I think we only finished maybe second or third in the conference, but we earned an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament and ended up uh, – the team made a great run and ended up making to the Elite Eight uh, for I think only the third time in school history up there. Uh, at morning session. So that was a great experience. Uh, learned a lot, got stronger that year. Um, so then my red shirt freshman year, um, played quite a bit off the bench, started a handful of games. Uh, we had another pretty good season. I think we were maybe um, 18 and 10 or something like that. Um, you know, things were going pretty good. Really enjoyed it there. Um, we had a little bit of turnover with with the assistant coaches that, that were kind of the guys that recruited me. So, um, you know, it's, as you guys know, the, the basketball circles and the, and the network and just the uh, the uh, how tight that is it's incredible. So, the two guys that recruited me uh, the most were Dave Schlabaugh, who is now the you know arrival coach here at, at up the road at Cornell. And also, by the way, I coached his son here at Co. so that was that was interesting how that all came together. Um, Coach Slabaugh and then uh, the late Brian Pearson, who, who played at uh, Pomeroy Palmer and then, you know, ended up playing at Iowa State. Those were the guys that recruited me uh, the most. And, you know, Coach Slabaugh left. Uh, Coach Pearson ended up getting cancer and, and tragically passed away, you know, at a young age. But, um, you know, so – and then we we had some uh recruiting where we you know they brought in some junior college guys and things like that and um you know i just I just made a decision i wanted to if i was gonna put all that time and i, I wanted to I wanted to play and have a chance to start and um so I ended up transferring to Simpson college, which that was a school that probably recruited me the hardest by far, and you know Morningside kind of was there but came on strong late and I would say most of my senior year in high school, I, I probably would have told you I was going to go to Simpson um, and, and end up transferring there and uh, playing for Bruce Wilson. Um, had a great three-year three year run there um, on some really good teams. Um, you know, played a lot my sophomore year off the bench and then, um, you know, started every game junior and senior year. We ended up winning the conference um, in 97, 98, my junior year. Had a really good team and, um, you know, just, you know, as you guys know the best part of college athletics, just the, the relationships you build, the guys you play with, and, you know, great friends with those players and coaches to this day. So ended up finishing my career and graduating from Simpson. And, um, but we had, we had a great run there. And, you know, Coach Wilson was the best to play for. Uh, still talk to him quite a bit. Our assistant coach uh, was a guy named Chad Buchanan, who you guys may or may not know, um, who is now the GM of the Indiana Pacers. So. Um, you know, you talk about a uh, guy that's paid his dues and and worked his way up. I mean, Chad was the RA in one of the apartments for several years at at Simpson College, and and uh, you know, coaching us during the day, but then you know, keeping us out of trouble at night and on the weekends in the apartments. So, um, you know, funny how that that all plays out. But uh, but yeah, so had a great experience at Simpson, and and uh, you know with was was happy with that decision I made ended up being a good decision so
1: well and as you mentioned obviously Morningside I, I remember um like you said in the the mid to late 90s I mean those teams were competitive and they you would come down to Ames and play Iowa State and and so they were I mean they were playing some big teams and like you said Northern Colorado um some of those that are now gone to D1 that was that was quite the quite the league at the time
2: it really was I mean it, you know you, we were the only Division II in the state at that time. Of course, Upper Iowa is now. But, um, you know, and as you guys know, recruiting was so different back then. I mean, there just wasn't the amount of exposure. Uh, there wasn't any secrets. or There are no secrets today. I mean, it, you know, you're playing in the summer, there's video, there's, you know, you're just going to find out about kids. Well, back then, I mean, you know, if coaches went out and did their homework and, and you know, you you get some guys that were probably higher level players if you work hard and build good relationships. And and I think that was the case certainly at Morningside and and throughout that league, you know, and then of course at the division two level, it's, it's really a transfer league. I mean, you're, you're getting guys that uh, may play a couple years of division one and, and move down or you might pick up some junior college guys. So yeah, it was, it was high level basketball. I know uh, I think my red shirt freshman year, we we beat you and I, you know, in the, in the dome and, I think it was a few years after I left there they played Iowa State and it was a really good uh, Iowa State team that they played right down the wire so uh, there there wasn't a lot of difference you know between the D1 level and and that uh, some of the better teams in that North Central Conference for sure.
1: And then obviously moving to Simpson and at that time um, the Iowa Conference was was competitive as all get out too and obviously has been for a long time and um, we'll get more into the now Co Simpson um, battle that you, I'm sure you have every time you go back to Indianola. But um, uh, from a from a playing standpoint, uh, the league has been good for so long, and it had just a ton of players. Um, no different, I'm sure, when you were playing.
2: Yeah, I mean, there it was a battle every night. Um, it was just a fun league, and uh, you know you had to bring your A game every night, or or you were going to get beat. But it was it was different as things are. I mean, back then we. We played Friday, Saturdays back to back, and every once in a while there'd be a Tuesday game. So it was different. And you know, now today uh, we play Wednesdays, Saturdays. Of course, you've got we've got synergy, and, and you know, teams are scouted more than they need to be. I mean, there are, there are no secrets with what teams are going to do. You know, I remember playing at Simpson, and it was like you focus way more on yourself and, and being the best version of yourself and like literally the day of shoot around, or the day of the game we'd have a morning shoot around and and coach Wilson would hand us you know a a photocopied piece of paper it was just one-sided you know handwritten scouting report on on Wardberg or BV or whoever it was and you know some guys would would probably study it and some guys wouldn't we might go through one play or or out of bounds play of, of the other team you know that they picked up on the two films they got you know and and that was about it. You just went out and kind of played your system and, and tried to out-execute teams, whereas now it's, it seems like it's so much more of a chess match and, you know, you got to kind of add things as you go, uh, maybe more than, than back then. But, but to your point, Brian, it was the, the competition level hasn't changed, the, the teams and the coaching, and, you know, has always been a high level for Division three, and um, it's still that way today for sure.
1: You mentioned, I, I, I forgot about, it. they transitioned out of it, I think my sophomore year at Warburg, but the, the uh, Friday, Saturday, the travel schools. So like I, we would travel with BV, obviously you guys would travel with Central. And so you yeah. would play, you'd play Simpson Central and, and whatever. And it was, it was kind of a neat experience, but uh, yeah, I mean the back-to-back playing, you know, Friday night, like for us right. to come down to play in Indianola and then to go to Pella, um, was an interesting experience at the D3 level because obviously we'd stay overnight and we would go and play the next afternoon, but, uh, it was also kind of fun. There, there was definitely some fun being able to get out on the road and, and play a couple games back to back.
2: Yeah. I mean, there, there was, you know, like everything else, there was, there was pros and cons to it for sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like I rem- I remember, you know, those trips as well. And for, for some of the, the weekends you would have to, you know, do an overnight depending on where you're going to and the schedule laid out but you know here at Coe we never we never have an overnight trip in conference you know it's and part of that is because we're pretty centrally located in the conference but you know even when we go out to play Nebraska Wesleyan we're we're hiking it all the way out there for five hours playing and hiking it back that night you know and um, of course you you just have Wednesday Saturday like you said but um, yeah so it's there's definitely been some changes over the years and and that's one that uh, was certainly a big one.
1: Nothing worse than the the drive across Highway Three out to Storm Lake, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, fortunately for us up here, you know, they've it's pretty much a all four lane now with Highway Twenty, and it doesn't take quite as long. And yeah, some of those 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 back roads throughout the state of Iowa, you just, I mean, it all looks the same, but it, it you know you got tired of those, and uh, not quite as as bad these days, I guess.
1: That that was always the worst trip because, like you said, everything else, I mean. Obviously, Waverly and Dubuque and Cedar Rapids. I mean, all the other schools were all pretty close. But then going out to BV, and it, it probably didn't help that BV was really good when I was at Warburg, too. So it was always kind of one of those trips where maybe the ride back wasn't as fun as we were anticipating. But uh, it, it, Highway always, 3 was a,
2: always a tough place to play. And part of that was the, just the journey to get there. But, you know, the three years I was at Simpson, uh, you know, we finished second, first, and second. And we didn't, we didn't win at BV any of those years. And so, and I don't think I won. I don't think we won up there in my first few years here at Coe either. So when we finally, the first time we, that I ever won up there, I think it was about my fourth year here at Coe, fourth or fifth, maybe. And we, we had a huge second half comeback and hit a buzzer beater to beat them. And, you know, for me, it felt like winning a national title just because it's, it's such a hard place to win at. So, um, but yeah the, the trip up there isn't quite as as brutal as it used to be
0: <laughs> and those four lanes do help for sure yeah. um well hey, uh let's transition into coaching now um you know was there a time in your life where you know you kind of realized that hey this coaching thing is where I want to go um or you know I like a lot of guests we talk to it kind of happens by chance too but uh, how did how did that play out for you?
2: yeah, I think. I think I always knew that it was something I wanted to do. I knew for sure I wanted to do something in in the sports industry. And uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, just going back to growing up, I always enjoyed, you know, getting a game together or, you know, or even just working with some of the neighborhood kids that were younger that wanted to learn how to play basketball, things like that. So I always enjoyed, you know, that part of it, helping uh, kids get better, um, you know, just the improvement side of things. And, um, I don't know exactly when I, the, the day or moment I knew I wanted to coach necessarily, but I do know that, um, you know, my high school coach at Hoover was Bobby Sanquist. And, you know, he just uh, retired last year from coaching at Johnston uh, is where he finished up his, his high school coaching. Um, he was a huge impact on on me growing up and really made uh, basketball special for me in my high school days and um, and was a big part of me, I think, wanting to get into coaching just because of the impact he had on me, um, you know, throughout my high school career. And, and then as I got into college, um, you know, I, I remember thinking it was going to be something I wanted to do, whether it was high school or college. I wasn't 100% sure until about probably my junior year of college, Um, I really was focusing on, you know, trying to do whatever I could to, to get to the college level. Um, and I remember going into, to coach Wilson's office early in my junior year and, you know, asking him, you know, Hey, this is, or telling him, this is something I think I really want to do. You know, what's your advice? What, how do I get into this deal? And, you know, you don't really realize it when you're, when you're growing up, how hard it is to get a coaching job and how you know, how few of them there are open even. And so, but he gave me great advice. He, he at that time, you know, again, going back to, to division two, he said, you know, the best advice he had for me was try to get a, a grad assistant job at a division two school in the Midwest, because, you know, number one, they would, most of those positions would pay for your, your, uh, your master's program and maybe a little bit of a stipend on top of that. So you could survive, but, but also just from a coaching aspect, you know, those positions, you know, D- division twos you had your head coach and most of them had one full-time assistant and then a GA or two. And so, you know, as a GA, you, you're pretty much thrust into a full-time coaching position. You're recruiting, you're coaching on the floor. Um, you're doing individual work with guys. You're, you know, you name it, you're, you're doing it and you're learning it. Um, kind of just, it's kind of an apprenticeship, so to speak. And so I remember, um, uh, you know, once I kind of figured out that was something I wanted to pursue, you know, he told me just, you know, you need to try to, you know, these guys don't know you. You need to, you need to get to know them and, and see if they have a spot available. So I literally, I wrote a letter, you know, and, and sent it in the mail to pretty much every head Division II coach in the Midwest, you know, all the North Central guys in, in Minnesota and Iowa and Dakotas, um, I think all the guys in, in Missouri and, and down that, in that league. And I literally heard, at the time, I heard back from two coaches. I heard back from Kevin Lehman was at uh, Nebraska Omaha at the time. He gave me a call, and we might have had a couple phone calls. It was very early in the process. Um, but he was, you know, he just told me, I think he knew Coach Wilson pretty well and, you know, said that they would probably have an opening that after my after I graduated. The other guy that, that actually took the time to get back to me was uh, Coach Slagle, who was up at St. Cloud State uh, for a number of years. Um, I can't remember if he wrote me a letter back or called me or both, but we had a couple conversations and it, again, it was very early. So tried to keep in touch with those guys. Well, then got very lucky. Um, uh, my senior year, we had a gentleman on, on camp or in Indianola named Doug Shoal, who, um, uh, you know, worked pretty high up with the Casey's general store organization for his career and did some other things. And, Uh, but he was teaching part-time or teaching a night class at Simpson and was a huge basketball fan. And anyway, it was a graduate of the university of South Dakota and was, was good friends with the head coach there at the time, Dave Boots. And uh, somehow coach Wilson got to know him and, you know, figured out he was a, a big basketball supporter and came to a lot of our games at Simpson those last few years. And, you know, got me connected with, with, uh, with Doug Scholl and then Doug Scholl, you know, got me connected with Dave Boots and ended up, you know, just really stumbling into an opportunity um, to be a GA at the university of South Dakota right after I graduated. So, um, you know, that doesn't happen very often. And, you know, I've got guys that that play for me here at Co all the time that want to get into college coaching and, you know, I'll, I'll do everything I can to help them and reach out to my contacts all over the country. And it's still just, it's really, really hard to, you know, get your foot in the door. So I was, I was pretty lucky in that regard. And, um, you know, that's how I got into it. And then once I got into it, uh, I really wanted to stay at the college level. I, I got my degree in, in history and in education so that I could coach high school if I, you know, if I wanted to and, or needed to. And um, but just worked out that I was able to, you know, get, again, get, get my foot in the door and in, in the college level and then kind of stay at that level.
0: It's funny how a lot of those situations, you know, getting into coaching kind of do happen by chance. Um, And a lot of people obviously see the end product of, you know, you being a head coach, a college head head coach, but don't necessarily know kind of what goes into that. And, you know, on the flip side too, you kind of referenced it, that as a player, you know, you get that scouting report, you know, you get the coaches coaching you in practice, but you don't necessarily know how much of a time commitment. So at South Dakota, where, uh, where did you go from there? And then, you know, when did the, um, you know, when did you slide into that head coaching role?
2: So did my two years of grad school in and, and GA at South Dakota. Um, and then it got a little tricky after that for, for about a year or so um, you know, and I think it's always a challenge, you know, to do that first two years as a GA, but then what? Right. Um, you know, so applied for a bunch of jobs, um, pretty much all levels, um, you know, coach boots, you know, did offer me a, a part-time job, you know, to stay on at USD, but it was, it was very minimal pay. I don't know how I was married. I got married right after college. So my wife uh, and I were both up there and that was, you know, if it would, if it probably would have been just me, I probably would have gladly accepted it. Um, But, uh, and then my wife got a a, a job opportunity um, in Des Moines. And as things were kind of going on, that was too hard to pass up. So we we ended up moving back to Des Moines. And, you know, I was, I had, I was in the mix for a few things coaching wise, um, both at the high school and college level. And, and to be honest, nothing really panned out. And then uh, so, so that first year after grad school, um, I was kind of a part-time assistant back at Simpson for Coach Wilson, you know, just basically showing up for practice and games. And I was basically a full-time substitute teacher at Norwalk Middle School uh, for a year. And, you know, I kind of went into that experience thinking, you know, all right, I'll give myself one year here and, and you know, take a shot at the college jobs again uh, you know, one more time after this school year and hopefully something works out. If not, I probably need to, you know, settle into the high school scene. And, um, so, you know, fast forward to that spring and I'm I'm teaching and coaching and, and, uh, again, I'm applying for anything I think, you know, might, might be a good fit and just getting nothing, you know, getting nothing back, no, no leads. Um, you know, and it kind of drags on it's, it's now like, midsummer and my wife's kind of looking at me like, okay, what are you going to do now? You know? And, um, and I just, I still really wanted to coach college. And so this is funny how things work out, right? You know, you go from nothing and like no opportunities going on. And then all of a sudden literally it was like within one week, I have three opportunities fall into my lap, like all at the same time. So I'd applied for, uh, a head high school job at Tipton, which is up just North Iowa city, I think. And, um, had applied for a position, assistant position down at Indian Hills community college. And then, um, of course I'd always told coach Wilson, if, if, if Chad Buchanan ever left, I'd love to, you know, step into that full-time assistant job at Simpson. Well, all three of those things happened in like within a matter of two days, I get a call from Tipton saying they, you know, they want me to interview and you know, that, I'm a strong candidate for that job and basically told Coach Wilson it was my job if I wanted it. Uh, I get involved with the Indian Hills position, and then, and then Chad ends up, uh, you know, making a move to the professional level uh, for, like, a minor league franchise, which ended up being a good move on his part, by the way. But anyway, ended up uh, getting an assistant job at Indian Hills uh, Community College, which, as you guys know, is, you know, high-level junior college basketball. Um, and that was a whole new world for me you know I I didn't know much about junior college um, obviously never played at that level Um, but it was it was a great move for my career because you know going into that um, you know first of all I was just excited to to have a a coaching job so I was you know pretty fired up at the time but going into that my network was really just Iowa you know it was just Iowa guys that I knew and coaches and you know, uh, not much outside of that. You know, even even through working camps and all that, it was just it was pretty much Iowa or, or you know maybe a few more Midwest connections. But you know, you go down to Indian Hills, and we literally have because of the talent we have there. You know, we've got you know three to ten Division One coaches in our gym every single day recruiting our players, and so within a matter of a year, and certainly over the three years I was there, um, you know, just built a huge uh, network of. Of coaches that I got to know. And, and then, uh, you know, had a great experience there, worked for Lorenzo Watkins, who's now the head coach at uh, Southeastern Community College in Burlington, uh, but really kind of, you know, grew up as a coach um, three years in Ottumwa. Uh, Lorenzo took a, a D1 assistant job after three years there. And so I had a choice to make either I, I was offered to stay on at Indian Hills with the new coach. Uh, which was kind of the plan. And then um, the NIAC job up in Mason city came open that summer. And I got involved in that and ended up, uh, you know, becoming the head coach at NIAC. I think I was about 28 years old, Adam. Um, You know, so head coach at 28, I really didn't have any idea what I was doing, but boy, I was excited to be, uh, to be doing it and, and to leading, you know, to be leading a program and, um, of course, Niak was in the Division Two Iowa JUCO League, and um, so I spent three years there as a head coach, and you know, really, uh, you know, obviously, just learned a lot about running my own program, and you know, had some some, some successes, some failures, and learned from both, and um, you know, learned a lot from other coaches too. You know, I, I know you know, kind of a mentor, but a good friend was, uh, when I was at NIAC was the baseball coach, Todd Rymer. you know, and he's now the head coach at Kirkwood here in, in Cedar Rapids, but, you know, just really learned a lot from him about how to run a program, how to treat people, how to recruit, uh, you know, how to use your resources, all those things. And, um, you know, so had, had a good thing going at NIAC, we had some success and kind of turned the program around pretty quickly. Um, you know, and, and my goal, though, was, was to try to get to the Division One level as a coach. And, um, you know, I, after my third year that summer, I got a call from uh, Brian Jones, who was the head coach at the University of North Dakota. And I had gotten to know Brian uh, when he was an assistant at the University of Iowa, working on Steve Alford's staff, just, you know, uh, through recruiting and, and also just through working summer camps when I was younger at the university. And, you know, and he – Uh, was up at the University of North Dakota for a couple years they transitioned out of division two and they were making the move into division one and he gave me uh, they were able to expand the staff a little bit because of making that jump and so uh, he offered me me a position to to join his staff and I, I I jumped at it and you know we we moved the family up to Grand Forks all the way up there I think it was about uh 6 or 7 hours north of Mason City and you know a little little too cl- close to Canada but um you know had a, had a great 4 years up there uh working for coach Jones and you know kind of leading North Dakota through that transition and into the Division 1 era and um you know was part of a staff that was able to kind of you know successfully make that transition which is very tough for programs to do when you when you go from D2 to D1 not a lot of programs Are able to make that very smoothly, and and, uh, you know, coach had a great plan, and we kind of did it the right way. And we struggled first couple years and and took our lumps, but uh, my last two years up there, we we won the conference tournament that we were in, and you know, played in in the postseason, and uh, you know, so had a great experience, loved it up there, you know. I didn't like the weather and and some of those things, but you know, great community, uh, you know, just a great experience to be a Division One assistant. you know the only thing i that was bothering me was my kids were getting older so my my twins at that time were i think my last year at north dakota they were um, in 3rd grade you know my youngest was gr- you know growing up but i remember my last year there uh, the twins kind of got on their first little you know travel basketball team and i think they played like 45 games that year you know total with the tournaments and all that kind of stuff and i think i saw like four of them you know what i mean so I kind of got to that point where I was at a crossroads. Like, I really want to grind this Division One thing out, and you know, um, you know, try to keep climbing the ladder. You know, whether it was hanging on with Coach Coach Jones, or you know, trying to get another job, or you know, what have you. Um, but but really, also, I, I you know, I made the decision. I number one, I wanted to be a head coach again. And then number two, I, I wanted a little more balance, you know, between the job and, and family life. And, you know, so I got to, I got to thinking about, you know, what would that look like? Where were, were some places I might want to go? And, you know, I loved, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of our family was still in Iowa. Um, I loved my D3 playing days. So I kind of always had an eye on, obviously, the Simpson job because I played there. Um, but then the co-job as well. I just kind of always had my eye on that. Uh, just because, you know, I think we wanted to kind of live in a, in a little bit bigger of a city, um, you know, and, and Cedar Rapids is, you know, a nice community, nice city. And, you know, as, as fate would have it, you know, coaching, everything's about timing and, um, you know, Coach Yacom did a lot of great things here at Co. Pat Yacom, and then um, took over, uh, got hired that, that summer up at the, you know, closer to his hometown up in Wisconsin at uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh. So the the co job opened up, and um, I went after it pretty aggressively, and, and was able to to get here. So been here uh, eight years, going on my ninth year so far.
0: Awesome, awesome. And you know, um, <clears throat> when I was in high school, Coach Jones was um, was the assistant coach that, that that recruited me when he was at Iowa. So I know I know Coach Jones pretty well. You bet. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, that had to be pretty rough, uh, you know, making that transition. Because were you there the first year that they were D one up there at UND? Yeah,
2: yeah. So my first year was their first actual year of Division one, and the first year was crazy because um, it was it was kind of a hybrid schedule. We weren't in a conference. Uh, we were playing an independent schedule for the most part, and we even played. You know, probably a third of the games we played were against Division two teams, and so. It was, it was really challenging, and, and we weren't eligible for the NCAA tournament at that time, you know, because we were making that transition. So, you know, it, it was it was a credit to those players. We had a, a, a pretty veteran group um, that year, a good group of seniors. And we really just made it all about those guys, you know, trying to make it the best year for them. But, you know, you talk about uh, some tough coaching, you know, try getting your guys ready to play. Uh, up at, uh, you know, Southwest state in Minnesota on a Tuesday night after you just played Wichita state on a Saturday in front of, you know, 12,000 fans, you know, and then you go, no offense to Southwest state, but you go there on a Tuesday night and there's, you know, 500 people in the stands and, you know, it's, it's a pretty big contrast. And so um, we, uh, we faced a lot of challenges with that process, but uh, you know, again, coach had a pretty good plan. We kind of, wrote it out and, and tried to win as many games that, that first year with those, that group of seniors and then basically started from scratch. Um, we had brought in a lot of young guys that we redshirted um, that first year I was there and really kind of built the program around those guys. And then, you know, that first recruiting class, once we were division one, we were able to bring in uh, three really good players um, that, you know, when they stepped on, on campus as freshmen. So that would have been my third year there um you know we had a, we had a pretty good team and um we were part of a conference that even doesn't even exist anymore at that time it was called the Great West Conference and it was basically a conference that was you know some schools that are now in the Big Sky some schools that are now in the Summit League and some other schools um you know that that were also making that transition to division 1 but it was like it was it wasn't geographically it didn't make any sense geographically that league i mean we were playing you know, teams in the, in the upper Midwest and we were flying down to Texas. We even played out in uh, New Jersey with New Jersey tech. And, uh, you know, it was just a, just to have a league and, and have games and, you know, have a conference tournament and that kind of thing. And, uh, but we ended up winning the, the great West conference those last two years. And um, at that time we were eligible for the, uh, the CIT tournament, the college insider tournament. So we played in that back to back years and, um, you know, but but a great experience nonetheless. Um, you know, going through that transition and then, you know, the last three years I was there it was a full Division One schedule. Uh, you, know, you know, so some nights you're playing guarantee games against Kansas or Iowa State or New Mexico, and then some nights you're playing Chicago State. You know, in front of 500 people, and um, you know, so a lot of contrast when you're when you're a low major Division One, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and I I actually had a couple buddies on my AU team um, who. Who went to South Dakota State that first couple years that they that they made made the transition to and yeah I mean they talk about going to Marquette uh, you know and getting their bus kicked and then going to St John's and then you know coming back like you said to maybe like Saint Cloud State in Minnesota um, and you know obviously playing them but um, what what did you do you know what worked for you guys keeping those kids motivated to you know actually actually play that year and and the following couple of years
2: yeah we had to get creative you know I think number one they, they were excited just just the fact that we were uh, or they were the kind of the pioneers so to speak for the division one era at the University of North Dakota and we really really just tried to sell that and you know kind of you know impose on them that you know no matter what this looks like you guys are you know really starting off and uh, you know, building a legacy, you know, for, for all future, you know, uh, North Dakota athletes and and basketball programs. And, you know, again, credit to those guys, they, they embraced that, um, you know, at a very high level. And, um, again, it wasn't always pretty. It was, it was funny. Like my story earlier, I remember, uh, we, we played, and this was kind of around Christmas break time. We played, uh, one night we played down at Texas A&M and they were loaded I mean they had NBA guys Mark Turgeon was the coach and you know there's 12,000 people there and well they 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 didn't prepare for us very well they didn't they weren't you know they didn't respect us very well and we it was like a five-point game with a minute to go and those guys you know you look down the sideline and their, their coaching staff's just you know sweating bullets and Turgeon's yelling as assistants and you know why did why do we schedule these guys and and our guys were just you know competing their butts off and overachieving so to speak, and, you know, we didn't win, but we, we gave them a scare. And then, you know, a few nights later, we're playing down at Wichita State, and I think it was the first year that uh, – uh, I'm going blank on his name right now. The head coach that's there now was there. But, Adam, you know about Wichita State. I mean, it's – it's no matter how good their team is, there's – you know, it's sold out. It's a tough place to play. And, and again, we played those guys right down to the wire, right? And then, you know, but then a week later, we lose to a Division II school. and. And so it was just, um, but, but every night we just tried to challenge those guys, like just embrace this process. You know, you get to fly around the country and play now as opposed to always busing places like you did in the North central conference and, you know, just, just embrace it. And, you know, you guys are the foundation for, for everything that's in front of, uh, of this program. And, um, you know, we, we tried to take care of the guys too. I mean, we, Coach Jones, if, if you know him, he's all about the gear. And so he, he loaded them up with gear. And, you know, we ate at nice restaurants and, and tried to stay in, in, in nice hotels. And, you know, fortunately we had a decent enough budget that we could do some of those things and, and just try to make it make it fun for the guys. And, um, and, again, it was a credit to those guys. They, they kind of laid it on the line and, and uh, you know, got us through that year and, and uh, really set the tone for the program, you know, for the Division One era.
1: Now, would that have been an AC Law, Texas A&M team? Would he have been there? Uh, No, but DeAndre Jordan. Okay. He was on that team.
2: Um, Who's the other guy that that plays for the Bucs or did play for the Um, Bucs?
1: I'm trying to – because AC Law, I think, was 12 – somewhere around 11, 12, maybe. So, I didn't know what year you were talking, but I was like, oh, yeah. I remember some of those A&M teams there for a while being real real athletic, real competitive. This would have
2: been about uh, 08 or – you know, okay 0- 08 to 10 probably was was the, the two years we played down there
1: so gotcha and then you mentioned so I was looking here uh the CIT so what about so you your last year at North Dakota was what year 12 you said
2: yeah 11 12
1: yeah. yep so 11 12 so it looks like just looking at the CIT results here so on 11 it looks like lost to Air Force and then yeah. 12 would have been a loss to Drake and then yep. that was that your last game at North Dakota was that loss to Drake
2: yeah, so we 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 won our the conference tournament which was in Chicago and then <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um I th- I think the conference tournament game was on a Saturday and you know the, again it was kind of a it was a a low low major conference, right? I mean it was just a conference that that got us through the transition so to speak before they went to the big sky. Um but you know, we're, we're thinking we're going to fly out back home the next day. Well, the conference said, well, we don't know who you're playing yet, but we're not letting you go home because we don't want to spend the money on flying you somewhere else. So we're going to find a, a geographic opponent and you're going to bust there. So it ends up being Drake, which was, which was great because we had a lot of, well, for me, obviously being from Des Moines, but we had a lot of Iowa connections. We had a player, Pat Mitchell from, from West Des Moines Dowling, that was a a senior that year that you know so he got to go back home and play dean oliver was on our staff of course he was an iowa guy of course coach, coach jones you know basically was an iowa guy haven't been in iowa so long and but we we uh we won that championship game on that saturday night and i don't think we played until next thursday and but they wouldn't let us go home because they didn't want to spend the money so we you know that sunday we busted des moines and we were, we were literally in des moines at the marriott downtown for that whole week and just the guys were it was, it was so bittersweet because they were so excited, you know, to be, to be playing and to be playing Drake. And, but it was just such a long week. I mean, we, you know, we did about everything you could do in, in uh, the Jordan Creek Mall, I think, that week and ate at about every restaurant. And, you know, finally the game got there on that Thursday. And it was, it was actually a really good game. But, uh, you know, Drake came out on top that night. But, yeah, that was, that was my last game on the staff at UND uh, there at the Knapp Center.
1: Yeah, that would have been Phelps coached Ravonte Rice, a bunch of yeah. those guys on that team. So yeah. that's interesting. And then, so then it would have been that transition, which also one of the things I wanted to mention is you were kind of going through your your timeline and uh, you going from these jobs. This is this is obviously a time before hoop dirt and being able to jump online and see what jobs are available. And so you're obviously having to make some calls and, and, and check some postings to figure out where things are at. Um, you know early in your career obviously that has changed a lot now too but uh, the, the one thing that remains as you mentioned is working these camps and just networking and getting to know guys um, like you said will just open up doors and opportunities to be able to make connections and then with those connections come opportunities and um, obviously then the opportunity came about for you to come to Co and like you said you had your, your, your eyes on it um, and so other than that what, what were you most excited about? to get back in the the front chair and be the head coach and and take over a co program.
2: Yeah. I mean, just, just from all aspects, again, I mean, obviously professionally, I was excited to be, to be here and to be, you know, leading a, a program like co at at such a fine academic institution. And, um, you know, so very excited about just that opportunity. Um, Very excited about getting back to Iowa, you know, just from a, from a personal standpoint and from a family standpoint, getting to Cedar Rapids and, you know, again, just having uh, a little bit more control of my time and and balance with, with, uh, with the job and with, you know, family and being able to watch my kids play a little bit more. And, you know, you you still make a lot of sacrifices as a coach. I don't care if you're a high school coach or, you know, D3 or Juco, whatever uh, you know, still miss some games here and there, but it's obviously a lot better just because you're not gone as much with travel and recruiting. So um, certainly was excited about that. And, you know, um, you know, uh, was, was just excited about the the situation I was stepping into as well. I mean, coach Yuckam had done a really nice job uh, here with the co-program and, you know, so stepped into a pretty good uh, situation where, um, you know, all the areas that were important to me in terms of, you know, number one, the people here. Um, number two, um, you know, was there had they won before? Was you know, was there a tradition? Uh, there was, and you know, was it a good school? Um, you know, I think obviously I'm biased, but I think Coe is one of the best academic institutions, uh, certainly in the in the uh, American Rivers Conference, but but also in the region, and. Um, you know, and then again, just the, the draw of being in a, in a city like Cedar Rapids too, was, was big for me and my family. So all those areas combined, were just, you know, at the right time and right place. And, and, uh, you know, that's the thing I tell guys that, you know, whether it's my players or whoever that asked me about getting into coaching and, you know, um, your, your priorities change as you go and as you get older and, you know, your, your family can certainly have an impact on that, or just as you get older and go through different experiences and, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, you know, division one was the only thing on my mind ultimately. And, you know, not to say that uh, there was anything wrong with, with that level or is anything wrong with that level. And I had a, you know, those four years at North Dakota were, were special. And I'm so glad I I got that experience and thankful to coach Jones for giving me that experience. Um, You know, but, but like at this point in my life, I can't imagine the, you know, with three, three young boys, I can't imagine the, the insecurity, you know, that goes with that. And, um, you know, there, there's some pressures at D3, but it's nothing like the Division one level, as you guys know. And, um, you know, so, so all those things combined were just, again, the right time, the right place, and just very fortunate that it all worked out and, um, you know, humbled that, that I was you know asked to be the guy to, to lead this program.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's 2012 then. You you guys have been through quite a few changes, um, not only with your facilities. When did you guys – when did your facilities – when did you upgrade your facilities?
2: Uh, so we've been in the new facility for three years. So oh. this is their fourth.
1: Okay, so th- obviously that change, which was a nice and, and I would assume much-needed change. Uh, mm-hmm. You would agree with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then obviously the change within the conference too. You guys going f- from the Iowa conference to the Two Rivers. How many years has that been now? I've, Lost track
2: on that? Well, you know, the, the name of the conference, I think this was maybe the third year that it changed. It's essentially the same conference, just with the addition of Westland, uh, right? Nebraska Wesleyan. And of course, yeah. I think it was the year that I arrived at Co. Um, Cornell had left to go back to the Midwest. So there was that change as well. But uh, yeah, you know, we got nine schools, and and eight of them have been in the league since I've got here. And just the addition of Wesleyan four years ago.
1: Yeah, which is uh, however you want to look at it, In- uh, well, inconvenient addition to bringing <laughs> it's program. a program.
2: Curse, you know it, it's. <laughs> I remember uh, we had a coaches' meeting that that spring, you know, four or five years ago, and we always knew Wesleyan had been, you know, kind of poking and prodding, trying to get into a conference, and uh, you know. And then I think our commissioner was concerned about you know just stability as you know five or six years ago, there was so much movement at all levels with, with colleges and jumping conferences. And, you know, I remember all of us coaches, you know, him asking us in a, in a spring meeting, you know, who's in favor of, of adding Wesley, And we all voted yes. I mean, the the worst part of, of this job is scheduling. It's a nightmare. And so we were all for it. Yeah, hey, there's two less games. We got to schedule and just makes our league stronger. And of course, now it's like, you know, who are the idiots that let those guys in? They've been right. in the league all four <laughs> years, but, you know, but at the same time, guys, it's, um, they've made our league a lot better. You know, they really have. Everybody else has had to step up. And um, I think, you know, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. I think our league, you know, the Iowa Conference has always been strong and respected, but I, if you put it into kind of Division One terms, I think we have kind of went from a low to mid-major type of conference my first few years at, at Co, Um, to I, I really do believe we're like a high major conference in terms of basketball. Um, you know, as of the last few years. And of course, you know, Wesleyan has been a, been a nice addition in terms of just making our league uh, you know, more competitive and, and a higher profile conference for sure.
1: And it just helps you get that recognition more on a national level. Obviously even some of the established teams, you know, here in recent years have had a, had nice national runs, but obviously having them there compete with the final four year in and year out definitely helps. Like you said, the, the perception of the league, um, like you said, puts you right up there with some of those D3 up in Wisconsin type leagues where just high level basketball, but uh as we look at your team coach so you guys um have kind of st- stayed steady throughout uh, your transition um your what'd you say, eight years now there but uh this this last year i think one of your better ones that uh, had you at 17 and 10 or something like that and so moving in the right direction what uh what are you excited for um what are you anxious about uh this upcoming season fingers crossed that uh, we get to play some play some games
2: yeah, thanks. I mean, it, it was a good year last year. Probably, probably our best year since we've been here, and um, you know, made it, made it to the championship game. Um, you know, falling just short against Wesleyan, but um, you know, I, I think to your point, Brian. The, we're we're happy about where the program's at, and the directions is direction it's headed, and, and I I really feel like we got a lot of positive momentum right now. And you know, I'm not gonna lie, the the facilities have been a, an integral part of that. I mean, uh, I felt like I got a new job. Three four years ago, and you know, but I didn't. You know, we we you know probably went from arguably the worst facility for basketball in the league overall to arguably the best. And uh, you know, with recruiting in Division three, certainly facilities aren't everything, uh, but they do matter. You know, and when you're not able to hand a kid a full ride scholarship for for basketball. You know, they're looking at the academics. They're looking at the facilities. You know, the campus, all those things, and the community. Um, you know, so now it's 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 been a complete one hundred and eighty. We we used to bring guys on campus, and you know, we we'd show them the gym, but we we wouldn't show them the locker rooms. We we wouldn't show them the weight room if we didn't have to. Like, uh, we just kind of tried to hide those things a little bit more and. And now we have a wow factor. You know, we bring a kid on campus and, uh, you know, we've got a beautiful 2,000-seat arena. Uh, I think we have the best uh, strength and conditioning, weight room, facilities, probably in the conference, new locker room, you know, new offices. Uh, so we're kind of spoiled now, so to speak. But, um, you know, I, I, it was kind of the missing piece to to our program. I mean, we, we've we always felt strongly about the academic side of things here, and that that's continued. We've always felt Coe's campus was a beautiful campus, and again, being in Cedar Rapids has a lot of advantages for our student-athletes. Now we finally have that, you know, the the facilities um, that it takes to to compete and get get good prospects, and so, you know, back to your question, I think things are really in a good place right now. Um, We had a really good group of seniors last year that led us to that you know, to a good season and, and kind of taking a step in the conference tournament to get to that championship game. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to miss those guys for sure. But uh, we, we've got some really good players here right now, some good young players. And I think, you know, I think we'll be in contention again. I really do. You know, if we stay healthy and, again, like like you said, assuming we have a season and everything. But uh, re- recruiting has been a lot better just, just because of, you know, having more uh, – or having better facilities to show them and, and of course you start winning some games and that helps too and, and that's been the case the last couple of years and um, you know I, I feel like we've always been you know some of the some of the years our record hasn't been as um, you know as, as where we've wanted it to be and you know, we had a couple of losing seasons there in a row but really the, the whole time we've been here I feel like our guys have been very very competitive you know and um, you know it, We might not have won the close ones here and there, but, um, you know, those things are starting, we're starting to win those, you know, and that's kind of the difference. You guys know it. If you play in a good conference, it really boils down to do you win the close games and, um, and a lot of times that you got to be able to lean on your upperclassmen, your juniors and your seniors. And again, we were fortunate last year, we had a great group of six seniors and um, you know, we were able to win those close games, won two conference games, or two overtime games in conference. And um, you know, uh, just a few wins uh, can make a big difference in that record and, and in the standings for sure. So, you know, going back to my first year at Co., we had a really good team, but the league was loaded that year. And I know going into that final, uh, final week of the season, we were in like a four-way tie for second place and BV was in first place, I believe, and Luther, us, I can't remember the other two teams, maybe Wartburg um, and one other team, like we we're just, you know, all knotted up, you know, going into that last week, and, um, you know, we just happened to lose those last two, and one of them was in overtime, so you go from, like, being, you know, having a chance to win the league to finishing, I think, in a tie for fourth, um, and so that, as you guys know, you, you get to a competitive league, um, it really can boil down to whether or not you you find a way to win some of those close ones, and, and that's still the case today, but, uh, yeah, we feel like the program's in a good place, and You know, that starts and ends with our players. We've got good players here that are doing the right things and and really working hard.
1: Yeah, it, no matter what level of coach we talk to, the experience piece um, for the program and the roster is always the biggest. And so, when you, like you said, once you win a few of those tough games, once you get a little bit further in the tournament, it just seems to be able to propel the team uh, moving forward. And and as you mentioned, obviously, a little bit of an arms race the last 10 years in the league. Everybody kind of getting their facilities updated, um, which also helps the league, but helps the recruiting, helps, helps at all angles of that. And so... Um. obviously we have our fingers crossed and hoping hoping that we get a chance to to play some basketball and uh, you know like you said see your team see your team really grow
2: yeah we're all doing that and um, it's going to be interesting for sure and you know the good thing I tell our guys this all the time I mean our I, I know our administration and our conference are going to do everything they can to you know support us having a season and you know and I, th- and I think we will you know obviously this thing can can turn on any given moment for, for better or for worse. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, everybody's doing everything they can to, to make sure we have a season, including our guys and, and the administration. So we're going to stay positive and, and keep preparing and, and, uh, we'll be ready when, when, and if we do have one.
0: That's really all you can do right now, coach. Yeah. And, you know, as, as Brian mentioned, we talked to a lot of coaches on this podcast and all of them are kind of preparing for that, you know, but as you kind of mentioned, it can change on a, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis, which is what makes this so tough. But, um, well, at the end of our podcast, we like to, um, we like to jump in a section called rapid fire. Brian's going to hit you with a couple questions. Um, and you just got to tell us what you think.
1: All right, bring it on. All right, here we go, coach. Uh, we talked a lot about your facility, but what's your favorite visiting gym or arena you either played or coached in?
2: Um, all time,
1: you mean? All time, yeah. You've been yeah. in a lot of them too, so you've got a lot to pick yeah. from.
2: Uh, well, that if you if you're talking all time playing or coaching, uh, coaching against Kansas at Lawrence Fieldhouse was pretty special. We, my last year at North Dakota, we played them on uh, New Year's Eve day on a Saturday, so December thirty first, and uh, it was it was a game picked up by on ESPN and. Um, you know it was funny we the, the night of shoot around of course they're on Christmas break and one of the assistants greets us and uh, as we walk in for shoot around and you know kind of apologetically says you know you know we probably won't have many students here tomorrow you know being break and you know it's afternoon game and of course you know we were a low major division one team so it wasn't like they were playing Missouri or something like that but um, you know, kind of set the table like there wasn't gonna be a, many students there. Well, we pull up on the bus and it was for whatever reason that day it was like really warm out. It was like seventy degrees and we we kind of pull into uh Allen Fieldhouse that day and it was it was like a football tailgate scene. I mean, like going to an Iowa Iowa State game, like the parking lots are just packed with people tailgating because it was so nice out and like literally as soon as they open the doors to to the field house. The rush of students came in and and the student section was full you know like an hour and a half before the game and so just uh you know as as you guys are basketball junkies just the the opportunity to play in one of the most historic venues of college basketball uh on espn was was pretty memorable and and our guys did a pretty good job another funny story about that real quick uh, i had the scout for that game and uh You know, they were loaded that year. They were like, that's the year they lost to Kentucky in the national championship game with some of those studs they had, Thomas Robinson and some of those guys. But um, our guys came out defending at a really high level. And at the first media timeout, we were ahead three to nothing. And, you know, our guys were coming to the the huddle and just like, we're all jacked. And, you know, like, hey, we're shutting out Kansas, you know. And like literally the next two plays down the floor, they ran a, a cleared side pick and roll and just, threw it up to the rafters and, and Thomas Robinson just, you know, alley dunked it. And, uh, that was the end of that, that joy, you know, I mean, we, the route was on, but, um, uh, it was still a, a great experience and something I'll never forget for sure.
1: That's a good memory to have. That's for sure. Um, okay. So on all these road trips, is there a must have snack that you got to throw in the bag or take with you?
2: Oh boy. Uh, must have snack. No, nah, I'm not, a, not a big snack guy. I'm more of a, I mean, I like to eat, but I'm more of, you know, where's, where's the best spots, local spots to eat type of guy. Oh. Uh, I just got to have a beverage, whether it's water or I'm a big diet Coke guy. I don't know why. I'm not a coffee guy. I'm a big diet Coke guy. So
1: that works. That I will works. say
2: though, my part-time assistant, Kevin Bundy, I don't know, Adam, do you, do you remember Kevin? He's a U and I guy. I do. United yep.
0: Country. I sure do.
2: So he's a, he's a great guy on our staff, part-time uh, assistant. Um, he always brings a, a, a bag of, uh, peanut M&Ms and it's like, we can only have them if we win on the, on the road trip home. So, you know, it's like our, our victory M&Ms if, if, uh, for we're fortunate enough to win. So I guess that would, that would qualify maybe.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one right there. Um, what about favorite basketball movie?
2: <sighs> Probably got to go with Hoosiers. I know it's, it's standard, but, um, there's a lot of good ones, uh, but that one just hit me at a time in my life that was was memorable. I think I was, gosh, it had to be right around my eighth grade freshman year, somewhere around there uh, in high school, um, you know. And just of course, you know, at that age, like number one dream is to play at Vets Auditorium in the state tournament. So to, like just kind of seeing that movie was pretty inspirational at that time in my life.
1: That's a good one. I can't hard hard to miss what the uh, yeah. Hoosiers. That's for sure um okay got a little hypothetical here uh you and your team are out or you and your staff are out on a recruiting visit and can't make it back uh to coach a game but i have the power to go ahead and assign anyone to coach your team who would you trust uh, to lead your team for a game
2: anyone like anyone in the country or just someone Any, here at call
1: or? anyone in the country anyone you want to coach your team whether it's a mentor that you've had someone that you share similar philosophy who would you trust to take your team
2: I'll give you two answers one is kind of the the celebrity one Tony Bennett my favorite coach at Virginia like he's I I, I got so much respect for him and the job he does and just how he goes about his business but um, so that'd be kind of the celebrity or dream coach but um well I'd have to say my college coach coach Wilson man I, you know he he was uh such a great X's and O's guy and just probably the best teacher of the game I've ever been around. Uh, and then also just, you know, you talk about doing things the right way and being a first-class, uh, you know, leader and first-class coach. Uh, I learned so much from Coach Wilson, so I'd have to probably see, give him a call and see if he could fill in that day.
1: Perfect. Well, where is Coach Wilson at now these days?
2: Yeah, so he's retired now. You know, he's okay. uh, he's still living in in kind of in between Des Moines and Indianola. Uh, once he he wrapped up coaching uh, at the professional level with the energy and, and the D League stuff, um, he got involved uh, working with Special Olympics of, of Central Iowa. Oh, cool! Uh, but I think is has been um, retired from that for about a year or two. So
1: good, good. I remember coach Wilson. So that's why I was curious. I remember his time with the energy too. So I knew he did that after he left Simpson, but, um, all right. So do you have a favorite basketball shoe?
2: Uh, again, I'm just going to go an easy answer in old school, the, the first air Jordan, man. I mean, I think I was in fourth grade, maybe something like that. And of course, Michael Jordan's my all time favorite player, but, uh, just the impact that all that hype had and, and then the shoe game, right. Um, I, I was more into the shoe game back when, when I was growing up and in high school. I'm not so much into it. my boys are now, but um, I remember, you know, getting a, my first pair of J's on, for Christmas, whatever, whatever year I was, I think about fourth grade and probably the best all-time Christmas gift I've ever gotten. So got to go with <laughs> old school favorite.
1: Yeah. That, that's a you know, big
2: probably the, the, the worst basketball shoe. I mean, like, <laughs> those things were not comfortable, right? I mean, <laughs> they looked cool, but they were, there wasn't much to them.
1: Yeah, uh, the come a long ways uh, from the, the shoe side of things, that's for sure. That what yeah. these kids get to play in now are way better.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so I know you said the greatest player of all time, but we're mixing up here with the shooter's touch. Who's the best shooter of all time?
2: That, just anybody, in my opinion, you mean? Yep. Um. I'm going to go with a tie between uh, Fred Hoiberg and Kyle Korver. So Hoiberg is a few years older than me, probably four or five years older than me, but I remember watching him, you know, back in the day it was the old Metro conference. Um, Now it's the CIML, but, you know, I remember him playing at at Hoover and I was just a fan in middle school, probably. Um, He was like a sophomore. And I just remember, you know, he was already highly touted, obviously, but, Um, I don't know how many points he went for that night at Hoover, but, like, just, you know, watching him with with open eyes just all the way through warm-ups and in the game, I literally don't think he hit the rim that night. It was, like, every – he scored a lot, but, like, everyone was, like, a perfect swish. I'm like, this guy's, like, the perfect shooter, right? Um, Of course, obviously, he went on to great things. But – and then the the Kyle Korver story is – and I told my team this a year or two ago, somebody – one of the guys asked me, who's the toughest player I ever played against? And the year, uh, in my senior year at Simpson, it was after our season was over. Um, there was a local guy that, that had put together an AAU team, uh, kind of in that area of Iowa, and wanted us college guys to, you know, to scrimmage them as they were getting ready for AAU season. And Corver was, I don't know if he was a junior or senior in high school, something like that. And, uh, you know, I was... A few weeks or maybe a month after my last college game so I I wasn't in prime condition but I wasn't far removed right and I remember remember guarding Kyle Corver just in a kind of a pickup scrimmage type of game and he was so tough and and I told the guys like what I meant by that was obviously he was a great shooter if he if he got a shot off but like he was relentless in in his movement and getting open and and then also on defense, too. I mean, he's not known as a great defender, obviously, at the NBA level. But, you know, just for, for a kid that was just a junior or senior in high school, like, he was special, like, just in how hard and how tough he was. Uh, I mean, he, he ran me in circles in that, you know, that one-hour pickup game we had. And just it stuck with me. Like, gosh, this guy's going to be pretty dang good. And obviously, uh, he's been one of the best. So those two come to mind right away for sure
1: those are those are great ones and i love the iowa connection too so that uh that's a good one um so when adam and i get a chance to come to cedar rapids catch a game where do where do we got to stop to get a bite to eat before heading over to the arena
2: a lot of good places Um, a couple of my favorites fong's pizza downtown uh it started in des moines and actually the owner of fongs is was a classmate of mine growing up all the way from preschool through high school Um, but Fong's is always good and in a good time. And then, uh, uh, there's a couple local spots, not too far from Co. Uh, one is called the Irish Democrat right on first Avenue, huge menu, uh, but they're famous for an appetizer. They have the the fried cheesy wontons. You got to get those. And then, uh, there's another spot it's called emails hideaway and it's, it's on first Ave from lindale mall but it's literally it's called the hideaway because it's tucked behind a taco john's uh but tremendous food there um kind of a wide variety in their menu but uh one of the better restaurants in town i think so th- those are a couple cho- choices for you guys that i highly encourage
1: love love having the the local inside scoop that uh, that's always the best for sure so one, one more here before, um, I get to our final question, um, of the podcast, but, uh, I have to ask do you, do you still allow your guys to do any trick shots or, um, what's the deal with that?
2: I know where you're going with this. Uh, I had nothing to do with that. Um, so yeah, we, a few years ago, gosh, I don't know how many, probably been about five years ago. Uh, I I'm, I'm, I left work. It was like a Friday night. I know our guys had played pickup that afternoon, and uh, you know, so it was like five five thirty at night. I'm I'm on my way home for the weekend, uh, in the spring. And I think we were. I think our our postseason banquet was like the next week. So just to give you a time frame, and I get a call from uh, our football assistant coach uh, Steve Staker, who was the assistant at the time, and he. And it was unusual for him to call me on my phone and and so I I was kind of alarmed and he Brian Steve what's going on coach and it's like well I don't know who it was but somebody just blew up a backboard in your locker room I'm like or in your in your gym I said what do you you mean blew up the backboard I don't know but it's 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 shattered it's all over the you know all over the floor and you know nobody's here I mean I just I just figured I'd call you and I'm so I come back and uh, after open gym, our guys were just, you know, messing around having fun. And a couple of them, Jake, Tim, our point guard and Spencer Williams, who was uh, one of our centers. Spencer's is an athletic, strong dude, about six, seven, but really explosive. Jake does like, a uh, some kind of soccer kick backwards over his head from like half court and into an alley-oop for Spencer. And, you know, he catches it and slams it home and it, you know, completely shatters the backboard, rips the rim off. And, uh, so anyway, you know, we, we got to deal with all that. The ADs, you know, not real happy with the fact that we've got to buy a new, uh, a new, new backboard and hoop with one year to play in EB, you know what I mean? So, uh, cause we are getting ready to move into our new facility, but anyway, uh, somebody was filming it. One of the other players was filming it at a pretty good angle and, of course tweets it out or something like that. And then, you know, it starts gaining popularity on that. Well, then our, our SID at the time, Ryan Workman decides he's going to send it to, to ESPN and for whatever reason, they, they picked it up and it was on the top 10 or, or maybe it was a not top 10. I'm not real sure which one it was, but, you know, a few weeks or a few days later that week, you know, I wake up that morning, kind of my morning ritual, get, get a little breakfast, turn on sports center and, you see your guys, you know, shattering a backboard in EB Fieldhouse and it makes national news or national television and just amazing how that all evolved and, uh, but I had nothing to do with that, man. I didn't encourage it and I don't, I don't really not condone it. I mean, as long as they're having fun, but take it easy on the backboards. We don't have the budget for, for any more new ones, so.
1: That that might have been the sign that it was time for the new facility, I guess. Well, it they, was yeah. to
2: be honest, because I think that backboard—it was, you know, the the big square ones. It was one of the big square ones yeah. that, that really isn't even legal anymore. But uh, I, I'm guessing that thing was was a good 25 years old, if not if not older. So it was time but just maybe bad timing
1: <laughs> no no that's good i gotta thank kayla for that she actually sent me that video yesterday so in, in preparation so i appreciate it i appreciate that i thought that was pretty good i'm like oh i gotta ask coach about these trick shots and what's going on but... Yeah, that
2: was, that was a pretty good story so we got some publicity i don't know if it was good bad or or, or the otherwise but it was, it was publicity and yeah. not many d3 D3 teams get on sports center so we'll take it
1: yep absolutely so well good coach hey last one here we always wrap up with um you've mentioned it throughout the entire podcast here and talking about your experience but uh tell us um and leave us with this what is the best thing about being the head men's basketball coach at co college
2: oh without doubt it's it's the the people here and and the, the kids i you know in our program and and uh you know, uh, whether it's our, our coaching staff, our players, um, support staff, um, the alumni I've gotten to know over the years, it's its definitely, uh, the, the definite answer to that is the people that, that I get to work with. And, um, you know, uh, I, I refer to uh, my high school coach, Bobby Sandquist, as kind of being a guy that uh, was an influence on me for, for many good reasons. And, and I remember him telling me as I was, you know, as a player, but then also as a contemplating getting coaching, he said, if you make it about relationships first, the championships will follow. And I've always tried to, you know, kind of keep that at the forefront of my philosophy. And, you know, uh, things are going going pretty good right now for us here at Co. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of goals in front of us. And we, we want to take the program to some places it, it's never been, quite honestly. And I think we're going to get there. You know, I really do, because we've got great people, Great, great players, great coaches, um, great support staff, and, and uh, you know, all the things in place. But it, it all goes back to the people we've got here. And, and uh, privilege to be able to, to work with them and coach them and, and work alongside uh, the people here at Col.
1: Well, Coach, we appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, we'll be following along. Again, fingers crossed that we get to have uh, some normalcy and, and get some basketball games in. Um, we'll be cheering for you probably every game at Warburg, um, and, making, and, and making sure things are going well for, for you and your squad. And, again, we appreciate you taking some time with us, Coach.
2: Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, for having me on and, and for all that you guys do for the game. And uh, uh, it's been a, been a lot of fun being on today. So you guys take care.
0: Yeah, you too, Coach. We And as Brian said, we appreciate it. Um, And obviously to our listeners, we appreciate you. If you like what you hear, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, we would appreciate a five-star rating. You can find us on all the social media channels, on Facebook, The Shooter's Touch, and on Twitter and Instagram, at Shooter's Touch IA. And as usual, Shooters Shoot
1: i right my mind, hustlin' harder than ever before Saying I change girl, I like when I shine The diamonds ain't different like my his prime to shooters touch yeah. Can't nobody ball like me no, 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 Blue face on harness on harness That's
0: really all I see.